Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Imperfect Podcast. I'm Kathy. And I'm Kennedy. Join us on this week's episode as we discuss intriguing topics and people of interest that will inspire us to explore all of the unique pieces of ourselves. We are all imperfectly perfect. We're We're glad glad you're here. here. Hi, and welcome back to the next episode of the Imperfect Podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting with Diane Founds, a mom, a business owner, a healthcare practitioner, and a friend who I met about 16 years ago. Diane is a single mom to three amazing, successful girls and keeps a very busy schedule outside of work. She's an avid fitness lover and an advocate in the community with her nonprofit organization for homeless women in the Monterey Peninsula with her daughter, Brooke. Diane is also a registered nurse with over 37 years of experience in various concentrations of healthcare. She has a bachelor's degree in kinesiology and is also a naturopathic practitioner with a focus on treating her clients with compassion, empathy, and kindness. After many years in the hospital setting, Diane followed the path of medical aesthetics and holistic alternative treatment modalities, which challenged her and changed the course of her professional career. She has been a successful business owner and has been recognized for her holistic approach to both inner and outer health. Recently, Diane was chosen as one of 22 nurses from all over the world to be a part of a collaborative effort in writing a book that offers hope, inspiration, and tips to anyone in the healthcare field who might be looking for encouragement needed to pursue their dreams. The book, Letters to a Future Nurse, was released this past December. By January, it was a bestseller. In June, it received its first Indie Award, and in July, it was a finalist for the International Book Award. Diane reports feeling humbled, honored to have been chosen as a contributor to this book and very grateful to be giving back. She feels that this time in her life is truly a crossroads of life and her career as she sets sail to begin nurturing uh, the writer in her that up until this past year was placed on a back shelf for those other priorities in life, like raising a family and being the main breadwinner. So let's get started with this conversation. Here's Diane. Hey, Diane, how's it going? Good, how are you guys? Good, good. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us for a little bit today. Oh my gosh, (laughs) ever since since you first started this podcast, I was like, oh, I want to be a part of this. So it's been a long time coming. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been a little little hard to get schedules kind of linked up just because of time differences and stuff. And this is a busy time for you too, eh? It is a very busy time. And sometimes that four-hour time change, people don't realize, like Mm. for for us here, like even calling my kids back home, it's it's trying to catch catch grandkids before they go to bed at night for our time change with with a work schedule is really challenging. So it doesn't seem like a lot four hours, but when people work a regular work day here... It is because it right. puts us into nine o'clock at night, your time. Right. Yeah, like right. now, like late. <laughs> yeah. So we gave you a little bit of an intro, but uh, why don't you tell us what's your story in your own words? Who's Diane and what are your interests? Okay. Um, well, I was born in Moncton, New Brunswick and spent many years there in my um, earlier um, life, obviously, uh, before I went off to 
um, travel around the world. I lived in Italy for five years. I had married wow. a professional hockey player that really led us to um, quite a diverse lifestyle of living in different places. So I think early on from a very young age, like in my twenties, I kind of had to learn just through osmosis to become somewhat of a chameleon and be able to change and adapt really quickly and really easily to different situations. So sometimes people ask me, how do you live your life with like no fear? And it's like, well, I think that it's not always um, embedded in us. I think sometimes it can become almost like a learned behavior over time Mm -hmm. that when you're put in these situations, you have no choice. We have a lot of um, tenacity and grit in us, I think, as a human species. And I think that when you're um, having to be put through a lot of different things, it really does make you just flow through life, uh, which is exactly what I've done. I think it opened doors for me to never have any fear about moving or changing or meeting new people or being alone and doing things by myself, which can be kind of daunting. So Mm. um, that led to 11 years of a lot of moving around. And then I settled back in Moncton for a period of time, Um, certainly missed the California sun and the warmer weather here really was never cut out for cut for shoveling six feet of snow. Um, <laughs> yeah, just wasn't my bag. So, um, moved back out here and I'm, I met my, um, my husband at the time and we were together for, gosh, we stayed, I stayed in Rockland for 11 years. That's when I embarked on my naturopathic career at that time and decided to branch out of nursing and do something more alternative in nature um, as far as professionally. And then my kids grew up and they all left the house and um, I eventually moved back to Moncton, you know, kind of because I missed my family and I missed that distance that was between us. Opened up a business in Moncton that unbeknownst to me was only supposed to be for a couple of short years and ended up being 10 full years before I moved back here. So, you know, when you have a, a business that becomes very fruitful and successful in a very short period of time, it's hard to pull yourself away from it. Mm. It's hard to leave. It's like the casino pulling the handle. You know, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to get away from something like that. So eventually right. the, the cold weather won. Right. I knew I had to make a move with my youngest being in her grade eight year at Magnetic Hill Elementary School, that if I was going to make a move again back this way, I either had to do it then before she started establishing high school friendships. Because then it would have been way too difficult to try to move her. Very um, true. Or after she was done high school. So even though she she never kicked and screamed or anything to come here, but she was hesitant. Now, if you ask her, she'll say it's the best thing we ever did. Right. And I moved again to this area. Now I'm living um, in the Monterey Peninsula here on the coast because I just wanted to allow her an opportunity educationally to open up doors for her that otherwise she would not get in Moncton. And she's now going to Pratt Institute at a very prestigious school in Brooklyn, New York. So it served its purpose, right? Right. And it it allowed her to uh, get some experience with modeling and that sort of thing, right? She would never have had these experiences in Moncton. No. I would have had to travel to Toronto or... A bigger city and um just a lot of fingers and a lot of different things here it's very easy to network here it's very easy to meet um influential people both in her business and in mine um and uh yeah it's really served its purpose and 
here we are again. Now she's off at university and I'm at another crossroads, right. you know? So I'm at a stage in my life where it's time to then think about that next chapter. Mm-hmm. Now, now what? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I guess what, I mean, you're an awesome human anyway, and you've got so much life experience. And I mean, who has the guts to just pick it all up and move to Italy or move to California where you're at now or that sort of thing. But I guess kind of what uh, piqued Kennedy and I to like invite you on the show is your most recent involvement in the book that, uh, you know, and I love that, you know, there's been, I think there's always been an inner part of me that I've been a stickler for education my whole entire life. So, and Kathy, you know that, I mean, it's just, if you, just coming down to like even simple things like bow and therapy, it's just right. making sure patients understood, like, what am I doing? What, what are you supposed to experience? How you like, how can I help you? Right. When you're a nurse and you're in all these years, I've been a nurse, even though I've been in different modalities of nursing, whether it be more case management and administrative or hands-on in the hospital, you're still serving, right. you're still serving people to, to a degree. And, um, I think when I had the opportunity to do this book last year, um, and quick story, like I wasn't even supposed to be part of this book. They had already had all their nurses picked 21 nurses. They had picked and the nur- it was pretty much final. And it just stumbled upon me that someone had said, Hey, Diane, you know, you got a great story. So why don't you write them and see if you might, well, when I wrote her, Leah, who is our editor, she said, I don't, uh, send me, send me your bio right. <laughs> and we'll see yeah. because the, the cutoff dates already cut off kind of, we're ready to, we're ready to send, send the book off of editing literally in, in three and in 12 weeks. Right. And so I sent her my bio and four days later, she wrote me back and she was like, oh, we have to put your story in this book. <laughs> we can't leave you out. So the name, no. of, the name of the book again is? Letters to a Future Nurse. Okay. And just happened to have. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Cool. Yeah. Really neat. Yeah. And that so, just goes to show even, you never know unless you're going to ask. Right. In a don't situation. Ask, get. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I had a recent circumstance where I know. I played games in my own head of why would I even bother asking? I know what the answer is. And if you play those games in your head, you're not, you'll never know what the answer is, right? You're not going to put yourself in a situation that could be a life-changing opportunity. And in your case, like that never would have happened if you wouldn't have just, and who knew, I mean, this book was kind of, um, from the heart, from all of us Mm. as a collaborative effort of nurses we came together to create this book so that we would inspire, create some hope and inspiration to uh, future nurses, nurses who are in the industry. After the pandemic, they're just so, they're dropping like flies out here oh. because they got burnt out. They weren't mm. treated with respect. They during the pandemic, it was just a terrible time for people in the healthcare industry and the things they saw. And um, so I think that's where the the preface came from to write the book. However, once the book was written, I didn't even see, I didn't know anybody else's chapters. When it went to publish, I still did not know only my own chapter. So when I got the book after it was released myself, I mean, we all got copies the week before it got released. Mm. Um, And I had a chance to sit down and read everyone else's stories. And I was like, wow, incredibly um, humbling to be part of 
only 22 nurses to have picked all over the world who could have been, they had thousands of people apply for this crazy endeavor. Um, and even though my story is not like, you know, it's a crazy story, it, it serves some form of hope that if you just lead your life with a certain level of just faith, put one foot in front of the other, just believe in positive and, and good things happen for a reason, even the crappy stuff. We might not know it at that moment, but there's a silver lining to that is to teach yeah. us hopefully something about ourselves that we'll see later on. And I think that's how I've always led my life. So when this book came to fruition, um, it was pretty amazing. And I think that it's funny because I would, I would, we were on a chat page together and I would listen to some of the other nurses struggle with some of their chapters, finishing them up. And I only had like literally two weeks to write mine. And I sat down and I read it. I wrote it, I think in one evening wow. and Brooke came home and being an English major, um, I asked her to proofread it for me and sent it off to my girls and said anything I should change. You know, it's important because I'm talking about a sensitive subject. And right. my biggest thing was, I want to make sure I treat everybody involved in my family with respect with, you know, when you're talking about suicide and you're talking about a loss of a family member, um, it can be a very sensitive subject for the people who are talked about in a book that you're doing for the whole world to see. Right. So ran it by them first and they gave me the green light and um, who knew? Who knew? That's amazing. Who, who knew this is going to be a bestseller? Who knew that this is, this is just, you know, you're like, yeah, we're just going to do this book because yep. we feel there's something to give back. And now we're starting to get awards for the book and it's uh yeah, it's a crazy ride. <laughs> and you know what? I feel like there's something to say with timing as well. I don't think that book could have been timed any better. Like you're saying with the pandemic, it was a very touchy and sensitive time for many people, yeah. let alone the people who are in healthcare. Yeah. And so that all these personal stories, they what do we do when we read a book? We try to see ourselves and other people. And so mm -hmm. it just takes one person to connect on your level. Like you, you said, oh, mine's not a crazy story, but maybe to somebody else out there it is. And they see right. themselves in yourself. Yeah. And it just, you know, my inspiring. kids always, my kids always made this joke all the time that, you know, don't ask mom about anything medical. Cause unless your leg's falling off, it's not going to be important enough. <laughs> wow. That's kind of familiar. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, well, it's kind yeah. of true. It's kind of true because, you know, when I, the, the, the grief, loss, suffering and sickness I've witnessed both in the hospital setting with elderly in their homes that have no support structure, like doesn't matter what it is. When you look at something that is such a, to such a severe degree of suffering, mm -hmm. it, it's very hard to put that into perspective sometimes and, right. and have a lot of empathy towards you know, my fingers cut or it's like, get a bandaid. <laughs> right. right. I love, I love two of the things that we just had uh, talked about that. It doesn't surprise me that you stepped out and said like, Hey, don't forget about me. And can I be in on this? That, But yeah, it, to circle back, I've had recent conversation. It's weird how life goes in sort of like themes. And I've had that exact conversation with both Kennedy and my other daughter just recently like you know if the answer's already no what are you going to lose by asking if they say no right so sometimes we get so much in our own way and trip over ourselves and the other it's thing true the other thing that really as you were explaining that um 
you wrote your part and you didn't read anybody else's until the book was published. Like that gave me shivers, like just the collaboration without anybody knowing except for the publisher, what the whole, what the whole look was going to be. Yeah. That to me is, yeah, it's really, it's really neat. Yeah. It was pretty cool to be able to see everyone else's stories. And it, for me, it brought another element to this book that made it even more connected and brought a level of reality to it that these other stories that everyone has. Um, and she allowed us all to have our own individual writing style. Like our editor didn't go in and say, oh, we need to correct all this. So it has a certain flow. Like you'll notice from chapter to chapter, there's different writing styles, like we, how we portray our feelings on paper. Um, it's all kind of different from chapter to chapter, which again, kind of shows its authenticity. Mm, and the, right? fa the faith to, that you all had that it was going to come together and it was going to work yeah. as collaboration. Yeah. Really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it was said a lot of fun. And you know, it, I've had people, I've had many friends and family and people over the years tell me, you know, when are you writing your book? When are you, when are you going to write? And it was always like, oh, you know, <laughs> sometimes I think things like this that happen, if you, not that I had doubt in my ability as a, and a writer to express that's certainly not for the world to see you know not not mm -hmm. to that degree well now it like I say there's a certain level of confidence that it gives you as a writer to know that maybe next step for me will be doing something on my own right not as in a collaborative effort Mm -hmm. you know? It suddenly seems in your realm of ability because it's already kind of, you've dipped your toes a little bit. Just the stepping stone. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like I say, I've never really needed too many confidence boosters in my life, <laughs> but <laughs> when something like this happens, like I said, like you say, it kind of paves the way it literally mm -hmm. opens up a door. It's either yours to walk through or not, right. you know, the doors open. I, that's one thing I've always spent a lot more time, I think, with my youngest than my I did with my older two is instilling in her that like constantly asking yourself, what are you scared of? What is it that's creating fear? Because everything that holds us back is usually fear driven. Yep. What, is, what are you scared of? Like, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? Well, I'm so far from home. Then you come back. Like, yeah, it seems so simple to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, sometimes, you know, yeah. I was going to say on that note, uh, what's your biggest regret or, or failure, Diane, that you can, you know, it's funny because when I, we were at breakfast this morning, I went over those questions that, um, on the form that you had sent me and, um, I looked at Brooke and, I, and she, she was kind of like looking at me inquisitively, like, what is it? And I was like, you know what? I don't have any, wow. I have none. I have none. And I think I've always lived myself with my life actually without regret or, because I think that is what really has propelled me forward. Not because I think sometimes if you do have regret or if you're living in a place of thinking that you had failure somewhere, you may wallow in that a little bit. It may, it's a shadow that you kind of carry. And I've just never done that. And sometimes people will ask me, where did you ever get this, this gift to be able to think the way you think or um, live your life the way you do or how you just go forward in life and I don't know, mom, and dad. It's so funny too, because we recently had another guest. You're only the second person so far to say that. 
And when mom and I initially had started, yeah, it had initially started the, okay, we're going to interview people. And just because everybody is so different, everybody has different paths, everyone has different whatever. We thought, well, surely everyone has a regret or failure. So it'll be interesting to see what people come up with. And the first time we heard the other person say that, we were like, oh, there's got to be something. And she's like, no. So that was a bit weird for me because, I mean, not to put myself out in the spotlight, but I definitely have regrets or failures. I know that everything leads to something else for a reason, but to live like that, it just seems so like eye-opening for me. Yeah, I know. know. It's not a normal thing. I know. Yeah. I experienced the same thing and we tend to gauge what we believe other people, you know, the, the same experience type of thing. So of course, everybody, I have regrets. You have regrets. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, I regrets. Right. But that's... I think I've always felt that even the shitty things that happened, mm-hmm. regardless of what they were in my life, they were supposed to happen. I think I've right. always believed that for whatever yeah. reason, my participation in them in whatever percent it was, it was supposed to be there. It was to allow for growth. And, you know, ironically, you know, to be called the imperfect podcast, like I'm, I've always been a firm believer since I was very young that we're perfectly imperfect already. Like yeah. those imperfections that we have are not, are supposed to be there. There is no perfection. There's no perfect life. There's no perfect human. We're just getting that now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> took a little bit <laughs> well, there, and there really isn't and I think that when you kind of have that kind of mentality it, it's it's again it's kind of humbling I think it's a very peaceful place to live like that mm-hmm. um where mistakes are welcomed because that's how we allow for us to have growth and change and evolve as human beings and being imperfect is you know amazing so I think that I think that my whole entire life all these things that have maybe happened that some people might have looked back and said well do you regret saying this or doing this or it's like no Mm. I really don't I wouldn't be where I am today with the life that I've had with the amazing journey that I've had that I see nothing but positive things in it so whatever those things were that might have been what others perceived to be maybe regrets I see them as things that propelled me forward and opened up other doors that um, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, you know, all of that. I think it just changed me as a person. So what a way to live (laughs) the way I am now, then I'll bring it on again. You know, like I welcome those things. I mean, no one wants to have those things happen in their lives, but I, at this point in my life at 61, I know now before I kind of hoped, (laughs) but now I darn well know that whatever happens, that silver lining is something else, even if we don't see it now. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to kind of really have a blind faith. And I talk about that a little bit in the book. It's, mm-hmm. It really is not something that comes easily to everybody. Some people yeah. have to try real hard to have that. And, and I heard someone say to you one time that uh, it takes a half a second of faith or courage to change your whole life. And I forget exactly how it was written, but it's so true. Yeah, it is true. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yep. So um, to flip the coin, what is the most important thing you've learned in life then? Would you say that would be it? Or is there another? I think the most important thing I've learned in life. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think that 
part of what we were saying earlier, don't yeah. ask, don't get, yeah. never be fearful of not asking for what you need, what you want. Even if you don't think that you really deserve it, mm. you know, you go, I, I sometimes I read a story not long ago with this woman who thought that she was so not qualified because she didn't have the educational background to apply for a certain job. I've been in that situation a few times mm-hmm. and thought, okay, I'm way out of my scope of what my practice is to be applying for this particular job based on paper, what it looks like on paper, and then have an interview and clinch a job when I wasn't really qualified. Right. And then to find out afterwards, it wasn't what was on paper. It was me as a person, what I was going to bring to a position more than having a degree or the experience on paper. So now I've learned at this stage in my life, aim here. And if you get to here, then perfect. Maybe eventually you'll get to there. Like maybe, you know, keep your goals set really high for yourself because you are worthy and we all are. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, I think that's a sad thing to see in a lot of um, the younger generation right now, this level of self-worth that's kind of taken a hit, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It has social media, social media, things that I never had to deal with as a as a young woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what keeps you going? I mean, you, from the, you know, from our interview here, it's like, yeah, I got all the energy and I, I great opportunities and it life couldn't have been perfect all the way through. What keeps you going yeah. when you're not feeling it? Um, exercise. In those times when I feel like, okay, I'm a little lost or I, where's, where, where's my direction. I've always been one that has been very driven and I've always had like a goal. There's always been a direction I've been going towards or, and I've always, unfortunately, I can become complacent very easily because I've always been so challenged and been able to move around and have always different experiences. There does come a time in your life where you start to change and shift your values a little bit. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, I've had many, many years of being away from my family being now I have two grandkids, possibly more. I'm really far away being on the other coast. I'm missing certain elements of my life that before, even though they were still priority, they didn't hold the same kind of value that they do now. So those things kind of become different driving factors, right? When I'm, I don't think I'll ever retire, but I think I'm kind of in that little, small little area of transition Mm. to be able to, retire um or work just part-time so while you're right um, just while you write your book while i write my book (laughs) (laughs) yeah so correct i still have a house in moncton so i still own my little clinic on drive yeah and i'm just renting it right now so i'm looking at you know potentially getting ready to move this year and getting ready to get closer to my family um, renovating my place in Moncton, um, at least put, making sure that I have a place to be able to come home to in the summer months when it's nice and you mm-hmm. got the shelf of snow. Um, yeah, I'm excited, excited about possibilities, excited about the next chapter. So like I say, I think that every time I get to this place, I just need to sit and figure out where my heart is, like, where is it with my work? And up until just recently, it's always been very work driven. Um, mm-hmm both for financial reasons, you know, putting a kid through university right now and having three girls being a single mom all these years. Um, 
there were certain obligations that I had, I had to kind of right. have that grit and tenacity that no matter how crappy things were sometimes it's like, don't have a choice, just plug yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I do have a choice and right. it's really nice to get to that stage in my life right now where I have all these choices opening up for me and I get to pick and choose. Yeah. yeah. So on the note of your house um, back here, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Is that how you and mom met was through a Bowen? Yes. Through Bowen treatment. Yeah. Yes. I yep. wasn't sure how you guys met. I was going to bring yep. it up earlier, but I was initially. To... Yeah. She's like one of my first clients when I started at my no? okay. house on Mountain Road. That. Yeah. Yep. My mom drugged me there. So yep. yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, her oh. mom came initially, and then yeah, and then she drove Kathy. <laughs> we, we really need to catch up because actually, um, now I'm a natural health care practitioner and getting I know I ready saw that in my own place, so we should catch up. Yeah, I know absolutely. So Kennedy, yeah, isn't yeah. it ex- isn't it exciting when you just start to become your own boss? And yeah. well, that's uh, not that I never <laughs> didn't like hospital nursing, but. I knew when I moved back to Moncton that I'd outgrown it, mm-hmm. right? that I, it no longer served me mm-hmm. to be within the confines and the protocols of being in a hospital setting. Like I, I knew starting that little business in my house on mountain road, it was a stretch. <laughs> it was a stretch to think about walking away from nursing. Like some people thought it was cray cray for doing that. I think, um, I think it's always been in me, but it's just taken a lot of life circumstance to pare things away to get to this point. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what makes you imperfect, Diane? Is it kind that of like a, a question that answers itself? Cause you already said you don't have regrets and all of that. Yeah, but... I just, like I say, I though I've always believed that um, we're all imperfect. Mm. We all are. There is no, I don't think there is any goal to be perfect. It doesn't allow for growth. It doesn't allow for us to be, to learn right. about people and about ourselves. And I think there's a lot of peace just living and being imperfect and knowing that mistakes are supposed to happen. It's something that I try to, you know, I have a younger daughter, my youngest is very much a perfectionist and a very high achiever. So much more than I ever was at her age. So her desire and her need to get like a 4.0 grade point average and to be the best in the class and to like, I've we've talked about this before in the past where I've said, you know what, you need to fall. Once in a while, you just have to fall. Yeah, And it's not fun, but what that gives you, what that, how that molds you and changes you as a person allows for growth. The exact same thing happened to me uh, all through high school. I was the try hard, go getter, got to have the good marks, got to be a part of all the social activities, got to be a part of. She's the cheerleader. Right. And I went to university and I totally flunked my first university exam, like totally. It's devastating. It's devastating when you've not, quote unquote, failed all through high school. So yeah, it just, you you need to have those failures, so to speak, um, was, to be able yeah. to, yeah, build your character a little bit and prepare yeah. yourself for failure sometimes. I was actually um, quite terrified to send her off to university for that reason, because I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to be home by Christmas and she's going to fall apart. 
Yeah. But thank God she is thriving and doing very, very well. And so it could have been the other way though. And I think at the end of the day, we just want to leave, lead like fulfilling lives that yep. leave us feeling really well-rounded and complete. So I think when you just accept imperfection as being perfection, yep. then you allow yourself the opportunity to truly succeed. I really do believe that. So it's like, it kind of takes away, I think it takes away kind of the stress and the pressure that we place on ourselves. And I think sometimes it might allow us to focus on your goals a little bit better. Right. Without that little voice, that little voice in your head, that's telling you that you're not good enough. Right. Mm. Yeah. Our lives would be mm. pretty boring. Um, if they were perfect, that's all I've got to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, thank you so much. Diana. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to this us. A pleasure. Yeah. And I miss you guys. Uh, well, maybe we'll see you soon by the sounds yeah. of it. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm actually coming home this summer. I'll be home in August for two weeks. Okay. Yeah. So I'll get a taste of lobster and my kids and the grandbaby hugs. And what'd you say? The humidity. <laughs> yes, the humidity. Oh, and then Brooke reminded me yesterday first thing I'm having is poutine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before we go, Diane, why don't you yep. let people know where they can find you and your book before, uh, you know, if they're interested in looking that up? Um, absolutely. You can um, find me on Instagram. Um, you, I'm on Facebook under Diane Founds on Facebook. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram under Diane underscore Founds. And you can also find me on Instagram under my business page, which is IV underscore League RN. And that's my professional work page on Instagram. Okay. So you can and message the, me there. Is the book available on Amazon as well? It is. The, book's, the book is available on Amazon. And yep. the, name, the name again is? It is Letters to a Future Nurse. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. Well, thank you again so much. And uh, thank we'll you be guys. in touch, I think, soon. <laughs> okay. Have a great rest of your summer. You as well. You too. Thanks. Bye. 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 If you or someone you know has a unique story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at theimperfectpodcast at outlook.com. For more information and how to connect with us on social media, you can visit us at our website, theimperfectpodcast.ca. And from whichever platform you are listening to this episode, be sure to like, share, and leave us a review. We would really appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We look forward to hearing your feedback and seeing you all find that extra joy and embrace your own imperfect. See you next week.